Truth News Network. A politician on the campaign trail once said, we choose truth over facts. I don't need to mention any names, Joe Biden. But if you think that statement is reassuring, you're probably not going to like what happens next. Because you're in the home of blunt force truth, of conservative thought, not just talk, of facts that are truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's Dan Newman. I think Pete Moss missed it a little bit there. It's blunt forth trauma. That's what we have in our lives today. It's everywhere you look. Nothing is going smoothly in Americans' lives overall. And it seems like every bit of that is initiated in Washington, D.C. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live, a production of Truth News Network. We are so glad you're here every day. You know, it's a commitment on your part because we have a ton of listeners, big group in the United States across the nation, but we have a lot of overseas people. I was looking at last month's summary of IP addresses. It doesn't have the names or the actual physical addresses of any of those, the list that we get. But what it does have is the nation of origin. Do you know that after the United States and Canada, the third biggest audience we have here is in Belgium? I mean, come on now. Why Belgium? That is the home of the uh, United Nations over there. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. NATO's headquarters. All of those big groups are headquartered there. But it's just interesting to me, probably because there are a lot of foreign dignitaries from the United States that stay in that country most of the time. Maybe that's why we have it. I don't know. And i got to be honest with you, I really don't care. We enjoy every person that makes a choice to join us every day, and we're thankful for you. You know, as bad as things get right now and look like they're getting even worse, it could all be even worse, folks. I mean, anytime you're looking at the landscape of Washington, D.C., and all of the stuff that's coming out of there that's changing our life and changing your life for the worse, not for the better, and you're tempted to get caught up in that, let it dominate your thought process, just remember this. There are a lot of people in the world that have it a whole lot worse than we do. And it's not because we're better people. It's because we have a better foundation. And yes, we have a whole group of people in Washington, D.C. and around the nation, in fact, around the world, that are chipping away at that foundation that our forefathers put together way back in the 1700s to make this country the greatest nation on the planet. But chipping away has never lasted in our history. Yesterday was D-Day. President Biden, he didn't even think about it until the end of the day. It's unacceptable for any leader. Why is that, Dan? When all this happened, let's just for a second, let's just play history. When World War II happened, Most people forget and don't understand what was involved in it. Yeah, it was a war in Europe. It was a war against Nazi and Nazism and Adolf Hitler and his minions in Germany principally, but other countries in in the continent of Europe. We get all that. But when World War II began, we were not a big, very successful nation. We were big. But we were not successful across pretty much every sector of our society. We were blessed 
and that we did have leadership that had identified evil elsewhere in the world and made the commitments to build our military to be able to uh, take on attacks if and when they happen. And back in the 1930s and 40s, our leaders in D.C. were expecting foreign foes to attack us here, not somewhere else in the world. When World War II began, remember it didn't all happen at once. We were at war in Europe against Hitler. And way on the other side of the world, the despots in Japan, they decided that they were going to come here and attack us on our backside while our eyes were all pointed at Europe. They came into the Pacific in Pearl Harbor and Japan attacked us there. So all of a sudden, our entire nation from top to bottom, we are immersed in war in two parts of the globe. Can you imagine being in that situation today? I don't think, to be honest with you, under our present political structure, not military structure, yes, our military structure has been dumbed down significantly under this president, but our political structure could not handle all of the planning and the coordination that went on in World War II, even today, so many decades later. That's that's really unconscionable. And when you have leadership that is weak, that is corrupted politically, that is letting things cause them to make decisions based on not what's best for the American people, but yeah, we'll do it what's best for the American people if that's good enough for us to get a leg ahead personally. Personally, we call that political corruption. And our nation is covered up with it from top to bottom politically. I don't think we're going to get out of that anytime soon, no matter what the outcome of the midterm elections and then, of course, in uh, 2024, the general elections. I don't think we can do it that quickly. We were headed in the right direction, even though the Democrats talked down all the time and put down everything former President Trump said, everything that he did. The American people saw saw for themselves what the Trump economics and the Trump policies did. And they liked it. You know why they liked it? It was foretold honestly and implemented honestly, and it worked. It worked. Americans had been for eight years, they had been immersed in the, uh, we're going to make this nation what we want it to be, and it may not be what you thought it was going to be, and we're just going to find a way to get along. It's pretty much a summary of the Obama eight years, Obama-Biden. And Joe Biden, he picked up the flag. Hillary Clinton couldn't. Joe picked it up, and here we are in 2022, spiraling down towards wherever, when stuff like this that we're experiencing today is going to take this country. But it's not good. Nobody. I don't think there's a personal, I don't think anybody on the left really thought that our nation could go down and down and down so rapidly. We are a long way below where we were. Even with the pandemic in the summer of 2020, we were far ahead across the board from where we are today politically and living everyday life. That's a sad situation to be in. And we didn't get here by accident. 
our leadership took us here. And today we're going to talk about and point out some of the flaws of this administration. And it's not just Joe Biden in the White House. The Department of Justice is on the hot seat today. We'll get into that in a little bit. Have a bunch of other things to talk to you about. But let's go right to the top where you and I are today. A severe pessimism grips the entire nation, our economy. And Americans report the highest level of dissatisfaction with their own financial situation in at least half a century. 83% of Americans, they describe the state of the economy today as poor or not so good. That's according to a Wall Street Journal poll. The poll results show just how much inflation has damaged our economy and the perception of Americans about our own financial well-being. The Consumer Price Index, CPI, in March was up the most in 40 years, and the April inflation rate was close behind it. The government is going to release figures for May's price level this week, Friday. 35% said they are not at all satisfied with their personal financial condition. That's the highest level of dissatisfaction since NORC began asking the question every few years, starting way back in 1972. 35%. 63% of us say we're extremely or very concerned about the price of gas. 54% say we're extremely or very concerned about the impact of high grocery prices. Just 13% say they're not very or not at all concerned about gas prices. 19% not concerned about grocery prices. Who do you think those people are? Those are people that have seven-digit incomes, I promise you. The share of Americans who think they can improve their standard of living has gone way, way down. The hope of capitalism and freedom and justice and liberty for all is evaporating. Just 27% now say they have a good chance of improving. That's down from 47, it's down 20% from just a year ago. 46% say they don't have a good chance of improving their standard of living. Only 38% of us say we are generally optimistic about the opportunity for most people to achieve the American dream. 68% say they're not going to get there. 68%. President Biden is reportedly seething today over what? Not his failing policies, but on his approval numbers. They've tanked because of the overwhelming pessimism that we all have about our economy. Another poll by ABC showed 61% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy, 71% of his handling of inflation, and 72% of his handling of gas. 61% disapprove of Biden's tax policies. 21% say inflation will be their single most important issue when they vote in the midterms. Personally, I paid $4.53 a gallon for gas yesterday, just two years ago, two years ago, two years ago, I paid a dollar sixty-nine, four fifty-three, compared to a dollar sixty-nine. Now, can you imagine 
the millions of gallons of gasoline that were bought yesterday across the nation where people just like me and you paid four fifty three a gallon. Some are paying way, 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 way more. Many are paying way, way, way more. Where does all that money go? The money difference between four fifty three a gallon and a dollar sixty nine a gallon. All that money should be kept in the pockets of Americans. And Joe Biden, he promised that was what he was going to do. In fact, he promised he was going to make it even better. You know the statement, nothing could be further from the truth than what I just said and what Joe Biden thinks? The truth is Joe Biden either couldn't do it or didn't do it. And let me tell you this. Now, I'm going to wait a few minutes before I tell you this. A big majority of us believe our economy is experiencing recession already. A recession. Now, let me just tell you this. If you've not lived long enough to be in a real recession, you better get ready. Results of the poll indicate that 55% of us say the economy is in recession already. Just 21% say it's not. It's in good news for Joe, who declared last week a record high number of Americans were comfortable. A record high number of us were comfortable. His approval ratings tanked. People have overwhelmingly rejected almost everything, every part of his administration and everything they do. And this conviction that we're in a recession, it's widespread. 56% of urban and suburban respondents said the economy is in recession. 54% of rural respondents agree. The perception that we're in a recession was strongest in the Northeast, which I, I was kind of I was kind of shocked with. 60% of respondents there answered yes to the question, are we in a recession? Down here where I live in the South, 55%. And in the Midwest, 54%. In the West, 52%. Americans with a variety of political views. It's not just Republicans or other conservatives. 70% of Republicans say we're in recession. So do 58% of independents, even among Democrats. A plurality of 43% say we're in a recession. 25% say they're not sure. 32% deny it. And break it down a little more. 55% of Hispanics say we're in a recession. A plurality of 48% of blacks say we're in a recession. 32% unsure. 21% say we're not. The biggest group saying we are not in a recession is college-educated white men, 37% of whom we are not in a recession. 51% say we are. Among white women... With college degrees, 54% say we're in recession, 26% say we're not. There's less variation when you divide Americans out by income. Among people earning under 50,000, those earning between 50 and 100,000, 56% say we're in a recession. Among those earning more, 54% say we're in a recession. You divide it out, and look, we could stay here all morning and go through the statistics of the polling. The bottom line is, by a massive margin, Americans feel we're in 
trouble. Our economy is upside down, which means our pocketbooks, our wallets and our purses are empty, way emptier than they were before, while at the same time going to buy an icy, going to buy a newspaper, going out to dinner, going to pick up your clothing at your cleaners. Everything, everything in your life, your electricity, everything is more expensive. And not just a little bit, massive increases across the board. This is just really tough, folks. It's hard for me to take. But we are living, and I'm going to say this, right now, as far as the entire across-the-board State of the Union, I don't care what Joe Biden says in his State of the Union address, his next one, we're at the worst point in America, economically, top to bottom, than we have been since World War II. Jimmy Carter used to hold that that honor when he was president from 1976 to 2000, 1976 to 1980. That was the worst at that point. I think Joe Biden has this United States of America passing Jimmy Carter, and I mean passing him so fast Carter doesn't even realize that we went around him. And the worst part about it, and I hate to paint bad pictures. I think in the long term, depending on what happens in the midterms and then again in 2024 in the general election, but it's looking good in both scenarios. If we don't get it straightened out by 2024, we're going to be in a deep recession that we may not recover from in my lifetime. Just saying, that is an opinion. But my opinion is based on facts, and there will be people that will take me to task, and that's fine. I want you to do that. Do it with facts. Yesterday, we shared that that comment from Sam, whoever Sam is. And he, across the board, he just basically said everything we said was wrong. Typically, no facts were given to back up that perspective. I like that. I like it when people take me to task, if I'm the one that writes an article or one of our guest writers. I like it when people take me to task on the air, on the show here, because what it means to me, you're thinking through. I don't know everything, absolutely a long way from everything. I develop my opinions the same way most Americans do, and that is to watch what's playing out in front of you, not just letting someone on a television show or a radio show, or an internet show, what's going on, and you just swallow their perspective hook, line, and sinker. Just because they think something is right doesn't mean it's right. And just because they think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong. Same thing holds true for you and me. But what we must do, we've got to do, we've got to find in everything that thread of truth and lock in on it. And don't give it up because of emotional reactions that we have, whether it's an emotional reaction to something you hear somebody say. If you get the facts and you know those facts are actual facts and truth, don't let anybody, 
don't let anybody talk you out of holding on to those. Those are the only building blocks that are worth building on. The rest of them are going to crumble. And it puts us in a bad place. It puts us kind of like where we are right now. So 20 minutes in (laughs) and 20 minutes of um, not so good stuff, right? President Biden, he is really, really upset. He's repeatedly complained in the last weeks to his aides in the White House that he is less popular than Donald Trump. And you know what's scary about that to me? It really doesn't, because he is worse than Donald Trump. But what's scarier to me is that's what's driving Joe Biden's boat right now. It's not what you and I are feeling in our in our homes. The fear, the uncertainty, not to mention the lack of dollars and cents that we're pouring into the gas tanks and into the grocery carts when we go to Kroger or, or Walmart. It's not because of that. It's because our president, who is the leader, who's supposed to paint the trail and start on that trail for us for, to follow him to make it a better place than where it was when he took office January 20th, 2020. He promised to make it better. And he's not. And he's not upset about it. He's furious that he's less popular than Trump. And he's upset with his people in the White House because he wasn't briefed properly on the baby formula crisis. In a White House filled with complaints that is failing to get its message to voters, a brand new report reveals the biggest source of concern is the president himself. The result is our morale and fear. Our morale's plunging, our fear's going up. That a string of crises is painting Biden as the worst Democrat president since Jimmy Carter's time in office. Politico, not a bastion of uh, conservatism. Politico reported that Biden recently erupted about the way he was not kept up to speed about the enormity of that baby formula shortage that gripped much of the country. He made his feelings clear in phone calls to his allies after seeing cable news coverage of young mothers in tears as they described how they worried they couldn't feed their babies. The result of the crises, from high gas prices, soaring inflation, shortages on grocery shelves, his ratings are plunging. And he's spending more time worrying about his ratings than he is about what's causing his ratings to plunge. It's just not good, folks. It's not good. But I think, I feel strongly, speaking of strong, I feel that we are all together as one. We're strong enough to get out of this thing. But we have got to make the choices to put these people out of office that are in leadership, that are right behind Joe Biden in the co-pilot seat, driving the plane and driving it into the ground. We need to make the changes. Every spot in Congress, whoever the voters are, that those people that sit in those 535 seats in the House and the Senate, every one of them 
needs to be looking over their shoulder at how their policies, the ones that they're signed off on, are impacting voters back home. And the voters back home need to stand up and be counted, literally stand up and be counted in November. And I would suggest you don't wait till then. I've told everybody here for years, get involved. If your involvement is only making a phone call and if you get a voicemail, leave a voicemail with every one of the people in your district, your congressional district, your governors, and the two U.S. senators in your state. Leave them messages. Be specific. Be nice, but be specific about the things that concern you, especially looking at their voting records and see how they voted on those things that are impacting you, because they all have. Joe Biden's done a lot, but he hasn't done it in a vacuum. It takes some undergirding and allowances from the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, both. And he's getting it. Nobody can point, and and you need to just, every time anybody points a finger to you about a Republican, just dismiss whatever they say. Democrats, Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the White House. They should be able to pass anything they want to, and they passed a ton of stuff that Republicans have opposed. You don't see it all unless you stay plugged in every day, and very few of us can. I can't. I just find places to go after the fact and find out what they did. And I can tell you this. Talk to John Kennedy. Talk to Congressman Johnson, Mike Johnson. Ask them how much they hear from me. And it's not just because I do this show. I did it before I did this show. I'm concerned. I've got three children, six grandchildren, and I am watching political hacks summarily ruin what our generation has established. And it's not going to be good as it should be, and certainly not as good as it is for our grandchildren, unless we step up and hold people accountable. Something popped up overnight that just frosted me. The Biden Justice Department, you know who runs that ship, Attorney General Merrick Garland. They have been for a long time, but it's even gotten worse now, really, really worse under this president. The Inspector General Michael Horowitz for the Department of Justice released a semi-annual report to Congress yesterday, and the report is of cases which the Inspector General recommends prosecutions for. But in case after case, the Department of Justice is declining to prosecute. Well, that happens all the time. But it's a focus on one group. It's a group that they're refusing to prosecute. Who are these people they're not prosecuting? People in the Department of Justice that are caught doing wrong criminal things. The one notable exception is Bureau of Prisons. People that work there still get in trouble and get prosecuted for their wrongdoing. But everywhere else, if you're in the FBI, 
DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, you can be virtually assured you're not going to be prosecuted, whatever you do. And it's based on a long list of cases the DOJ has said we're not going to prosecute. Apparently, if you work for the right agency, anything goes. Just how serious are these allegations of lawbreaking? Well, there's a bunch of examples. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look and listen to what's going on in the DOJ about not taking care of their own house, but just drilling down on the American people. Joining us now, former Utah Congressman, Fox News contributor, Jason Chaffetz. Jason, it's great to have you on. Okay, you did a great column, we read it, about how the Justice Department Inspector General, he's Michael Horowitz, he's finding that Biden's Justice Department has gone really weak and prosecuting lawbreakers within the FBI and the DEA and other ranks of the DOJ. What's going on here? Well, there's 110,000 employees at the Department of Justice, and inevitably somebody does something really, really stupid. At Bureau of Prisons, they tend to go after those people and prosecute them. But if you're in the DEA or the FBI, you just do not get prosecuted. In every six months, they give a report to Congress. I'm one of those geeks that actually reads it. And the latest one highlights again multiple allegations of malfeasance of people breaking the law with special police powers like engaging in commercial sex overseas and handing these pills to a, a foreign agent recommended for a prosecution and then they deny it they don't do it they don't prosecute their own that's the problem is that time and time and time again when these people do get caught they get recommended for prosecution and it does not happen. And if you're an FBI agent or a DEA agent, you're going to get off scot-free. Wait, so if you work for the right agency, it's sort of like anything goes? Is that what you're saying? That's pretty dangerous stuff. That, that's the pattern. I, I defy the agency, the Department of Justice, to show us a pattern where they actually do prosecute these people. The latest one that really ticked me off was the case of Nasser. if you remember. He's the doctor that uh, was accused of sexually uh, assaulting over 100 women. We had USA Gymnastics come forward uh, that Nasser got convicted of, uh, for over 100 years in serving time. But here's the problem. There were two FBI agents that did hear about this case nearly two years prior and did not do the right thing. They didn't fill out yeah. the proper forms. They lied on those forms. And now, just in the last few days, the Department of Justice says, we're just going to let those people retire. They get their full benefits, and they, they're not going to be prosecuted. It's pretty astounding. And so then you have that going on, Jason, right? And then you had the trial of Michael Sussman, the Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer. Uh, you had a D.C. jury effectively saying that lying to the FBI is no big deal. The four women said they could have spent their time more wisely than on this case. The judge told the jury, don't consider Sussman's text to the FBI when you're coming to their verdict, that, you know, that Sussman's saying he's going to come on his own, not working on behalf of, any, of anyone when he was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Let's watch former DNI Ratcliffe on this. Watch this. Our lawyer, Mark Elias, under oath, admitted, yeah, we paid uh, Fusion GPS millions of dollars to create the, the now debunked Steele dossier, which served as the basis of uh, the investigations into the Trump campaign for more than four years. So that's what John Durham's going to be focus on, focusing on going forward. Uh, and it's why I'm optimistic that not only will he be successful in some of the 
the ongoing prosecutions, but can expand the indictments that, that he wants to bring, uh, given the involvement of certain FBI officials in, um, in spreading a false narrative to the American people. Jason, so that sounds like fraud charges or maybe conspiracy charges. What do you think? I do. Look, John Radcliffe is one of the most competent attorneys out there. He was the director of national intelligence. I served with him in Congress, uh, and he has been read into this as well as far as anybody has. Um, and he does know what he's talking about, uh, a former federal prosecutor himself. So I think there is more to come. I think uh, what Radcliffe is foreshadowing uh, is the right direction. Uh, I'm just glad that Durham tried to prosecute somebody. I wish they would have been convicted. But when you had four jurors who were donors to Hillary Clinton and one whose daughter plays on the same soccer team as as Sussman, the, sus, the, the, the person that was charged, it's pretty hard to get yeah, a fair Sussman's hearing daughter. there yeah. in Washington, D.C. But it, yeah, but I mean, at least they're actually going after him. But I do think within the ranks of the Department of Justice, that's the delay. That's what we're going to see. But these people should be charged. But I'm just telling Amazing. you, Liz, there's pattern at the Department of Justice is to not do it. And wow. that's what's wrong. We all know that the rule of law is the framework is the structure, is the backbone, the skeletal system of this nation that makes it go. The rule of law is what allows you to drive to the local movie theater, park out away from the building, get out of your car, walk to the building, get inside, go sit down inside in a basically unsecured building and unsecured uh, atmosphere and you don't even have to sweat or worry about anything. For your entire life, basically, it's been just let's go, and that's all you have to do. Just as comparison, look at some other countries around the world. Look at Hong Kong. People that live in Hong Kong, they're under threat constantly 24-7 by the Chinese Communist government. They always are careful when they walk anywhere, when they drive anywhere. And when they talk on the phone or get on the computer, why? Big Brother's watching all the time. There's always this big, big thing above you watching you, waiting for you to make a mistake. And there are dozens of other countries around the world that its citizens live in the same atmosphere. We're not supposed to be in a relationship and in an environment with our government like that. But we are. Every day, more and more, we find out our government is looking into every aspect of our lives. And then we just talked about the rule of law. We talked about lawlessness. Do I need to even bring it up today and talk about it? The crime, the violence that is rampant across our nation? Look, the Biden administration let two million into the country in one year. Two million illegals. Now put that in the perspective of what we're talking about, the atmosphere of living for citizens of the United States. On the safety meter, it's gone down rapidly to an eerily scary level now. I live in a very safe community. I live in the South. I live in Shreveport, Louisiana, not a major metropolitan area. And the community, the part of Shreveport that I live in is south of town, about 10 miles, 15 miles. And it should be, it's a, it's a, uh, 
a, a developed. It's a single community that has all types of housing in it. Uh, we have up front, we have a coffee shop, we have several restaurants. It's a really nice, safe place. But even here, we, we lock our doors. We make sure if our cars are left outside of our garage, they're locked. We don't have security going up and down the streets in this community, but there are people that live here that think it's time for us to do that. Why? Because of the abandonment of the rule of law from the White House, and that filters all the way down. You have the scream still for defunding police. A lot of people will now say, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that anymore. Well, guess what happens? A year and a half ago when you were doing it, you were screaming and hollering, defund the police, defund the police. You were sending messages to anyone and everyone that heard your cries, even and especially younger people that are in the process of becoming those who run our nation. Those seeds of discontent and anger and separation and anti-law when you put a seed in the ground, don't be surprised when it grows up. And when every seed grows up, it's exactly what it was when it was planted in the ground. It doesn't change its characteristics. And we think we are unique, totally unique. In respects, we are. In respects to comparison of other countries in world history, we are. We are up until a point in our history. We're no longer there. We're not, from top to bottom, the greatest nation in the, in the world. I think we're on the brink of being unseated. By whom? I don't know. But if you look at the things we're talking about today, our economy, our crippling, staggering, aggressive government, letting arbitrarily certain people in our nation commit criminal acts. Many of these 2 million illegals that came over here came over here before they came. They had been arrested for illegal acts in the countries from which they came. Many of them, when they come here, are perpetrating criminal acts here in America. Oh, you mentioned that to a bunch of Democrats. They go crazy. If you look at the lawlessness, the people that are arrested, the criminals from overseas, from Central America, they'd get here. The illegals, you know, those ones that come over the southern border just to make a, a better life for themselves. Well, when they come over, they're a criminal because they come over without having official status, which you're supposed to before you ever come here. We don't know how much of the criminality in the United States is perpetrated by illegal immigrants. We don't know that. Somebody does, but they don't want us to know about it. The FBI, Joe Biden's FBI, doesn't want us to know about it. And certainly the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary, they don't want us to know about the criminal acts. We do from time to time get some numbers from some states and I go back to Texas. 600,000 criminal acts committed against Texans by illegals in two years. That's from the Texas Department of Safety. That's okay? Is that okay to Joe Biden? Is it okay with 
Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, Democrats that are trying to crucify Donald Trump. Thursday night, they're having uh, televised, we're going to appear and we're going to nail Donald Trump to a cross. It's their last ditch effort to stop the only president in recent history that was able to get in the White House based upon campaign commitments to the American people and then to do a huge majority of those things that he promised when he campaigned that he was going to do, every one of those were good for the American people. Nothing was done for bureaucratic politicization purposes. Nothing. We've never seen that before. It's just common knowledge and expectation. When anybody gets elected president, they go up there and they sit in the chair and the first thing they do is run down the list of paybacks that they've got to do for those that contributed heavily to their campaigns. And we just say that's normal. Oh my gosh. We're living in a corrupt world. We're living in a nation in which the leadership is corrupt. And those who hold corruption and those who commit corrupt acts, the ones that are supposed to take care of them and hold them accountable according to the law, they're giving free passes to their own departments for doing criminal things while they're coming after everyday American citizens for things that are a whole lot less serious. And especially if you have a political perspective that runs opposite to theirs. This is the nation in which we live. And until and unless we all put our foots down and say, we're tired of it. We're tired of it. Stop it. Just plain stop it. You took an oath to enforce the rule of law. Do it. You want us to give you a bunch more tax money to do this or do that? Show us how you've used the tax money we gave you. You sent millions, tens of millions overseas, around the world, the cheaters, lawbreakers, through these massive spending giveaways that you foisted on the American people in the last two years. How many of those people have you held accountable? I could sit here and give you numbers, one after another, of those giveaways that the Biden administration has done. And they're sending money to people that are just frauds, many of which, most of which we'll never see again. It's kind of like, um, yeah, those shovel-ready jobs under Barack Obama and Joe Biden when half a billion dollars we know of just went poof. Oh, it's only half a billion. Do you know what $500 million would do? Joe Biden's threatening to cancel student debt. Just think about how far $500 million would go for scholarships for needy kids, citizens in the United States. Their moms and dads born here too. Scraping to make ends meet and sending faithfully taxes to Washington, D.C. for politicians to waste. Waste. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Do you want things better? Nothing changes. If nothing changes. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. 
Pass the ball, pass the rod. We're open, just pass the ball. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KVB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. The stages may be bare, but the show goes on with the iHeartRadio Broadway Saturday Matinee. Every week, we play an entire cast album and give you behind-the-scenes stories from the show's stars. This Saturday, Moulin Rouge. Welcome to the Moulin Rouge! This is Danny Burstein from Moulin Rouge the Musical, and you're listening to iHeartRadio Broadway. The iHeartRadio Broadway Saturday Matinee. Today at 2 at iHeartRadioBroadway.com. Driven by Mercedes-AMG. Driving performance. Here's to choice. To making your voice be heard. To getting exactly what you want. Especially when you eat. At Subway restaurants, you choose your freshly baked bread. Meats cheese and veggies to make a sub that's just right for you come in and create yours today subway eat fresh tired of your allies falling to the pressure of the big lie come take a breath with the truth tnn the truth news network
what you just heard. I got to be honest with you. I don't know where this is coming from. There we go. My goodness. My goodness. That, I don't know if you know who that was. That's a candidate running for office in New York. Obviously a Republican. Uh, We had that to play later. I have no idea how it got in under that commercial break. But nevertheless, she's got it right, folks. We're fed up. Things have got to change. And going into that break, I told you, that's, that's a uh, that's kind of a moniker of Truth News Network. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Do we want changes? Absolutely. We got to have changes. We've got to have changes in our life. Going into the break, we were talking about the chaos, the things that seem to be ignored by this administration. Over the weekend, The Hill published a story about potential Democrat presidential candidates. If Joe Biden retracts his statements and decides not to run for a second term. Now, the reason I'm going into this story right now is I want you to listen to who they may put up to run if Joe Biden doesn't run. Vice President Kamala Harris, which I think very few people would support. She couldn't even lead in her own state of California when she started campaigning for president the first time. And then there's Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, his experience in politics, a mayor, South Bend, Indiana. Of course, he's a rising star for one reason and one reason only, because he's gay. He's gay. The left feel like we've got to fill the White House, the administration in the White House. We've got to fill the government with people that are LGBTQRST. X, Y, you know, I just run out of letters. That's his qualification to run for president. Senator Elizabeth Warren. I don't even need to say anything about her. She's got a speckled past. She lied about her ethnicity to get a job teaching at a university in Massachusetts. She's not Native American, but she did it so that she would get extra points in the consideration to be a professor. That just kind of is one little bitty thing. Amy Klobuchar, Democrat from Minnesota. Bernie Sanders again. These are the people that they feel like if Joe Biden doesn't run again, that's the best they have to throw up against whoever's going to run on the Republican side. They're thinking ahead. (laughs) Uh, But we just don't know who. We don't know who. So let's go back to Uncle Joe. He's going to use, we're told, his executive powers again. Bypassing Congress, this time he's going to kickstart our U.S. solar power sector. How's he going to do that? What's he going to do? He's going to waive tariffs. Listen to this. Waive the tariffs that have been in place since Donald Trump was president. Waive the tariffs from four Southeast Asian countries. Southeast Asia, Malaysia, K2, 
Cambodia, Thailand, China. Okay. Now you put that in the context of Joe Biden, everything going on with Joe Biden, everything that's been going on with Joe Biden. What am I talking about specifically? The Biden family syndicate. Who is he obligated to? And why is he obligated? Now, let me tell you exactly what the difference is between this president and his leadership and your last one on this one specific thing. Do you remember what happened to your wallet when Joe Biden put these tariffs on these countries? You remember what happened? Oh, we were warned. If we allow Trump to put these tariffs on these countries, it's going to drive our costs for everything through the roof. Why would they possibly complain about it? You know why? Because on their watch under previous presidents, what's happened? Beginning with Obama, labor unions in the United States just became filthy rich across the border. Almost every policy that was passed in Congress that was involving money, that going into the business sector for this or that, a huge chunk of it was legalized then to go to labor unions. And labor unions, they guise themselves as, we're going to represent the common blue-collar working laborer. If we don't get in there and beat up on big business and big government, our people are going to starve to death. And so they got all of these bills that were passed and all of this money flowing through these labor unions, some of which went to the working man, but not nearly as much as anybody was told when all this stuff was implemented. And it's just been very quietly growing and growing and growing. What happens then? Well, it becomes too expensive to manufacture things here. That was done purposely so that we would look to the West. Oh, these people over there, we know they've got kids building tennis shoes in China for Nike, and they're paying these kids 10 cents an hour. They're working 20-hour days. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not much. Other Asian countries, the same thing. I spent some time in Malaysia, one of the four that Biden's going to take the tariffs off of. And I went to a manufacturing entity that makes kitchen sinks. And they had kids standing at an assembly line making metal sinks that you may have one or two of those in your home. And I was told there, they pay these kids' parents, if they know who the parents are, $5 a month for these kids to work. If we're going to get back to normal economics, where from top to bottom, the American people are in charge and the focus of every decision that's made, it's going to take a little bit of time, but it's going to be a process. It's not going to be overnight. Compare that to what Joe Biden is doing specifically, we're talking about right now. No planning, no preparation, no timeline. Just like the gas prices. Joe Biden hates carbon energy. He told us when he campaigned, I'm going to destroy it. 
And on the first day of his presidency, he started without having a plan to transition us to anything else. There's no substitute out there that will work. There are a bunch of little pieces that we have known about, and those sectors have been have been being built over the last decades, but they're not at capacity that even is remotely close to what is necessary to replace fossil fuel. So why would anybody, anybody, why would any president of the United States do what this man did if he had even an inkling of what his decision was going to do? Apparently, Joe Biden just thought because he became president that everything he said, every executive order he signed, everybody's going to do all the little pieces that are necessary to make them work. That's not the way leadership works. That's not the way management works. Joe Biden, Barack Obama for that matter, they neither one of them had or have a clue about what it is to manage anything, yet alone the biggest country, the most powerful country still, the greatest economic country on earth. And we are watching as Joe Biden dumps us in the tank, doing things, making decisions just like this. He's going to declare a 24-month tariff exemption after an investigation froze imports from key foreign suppliers and stalled projects. The moves come amid the concerns about the impact of the Commerce Department's months-long investigation into whether imports of solar panels from Cambodia, Malaysia, Thailand, and Vietnam are circumventing tariffs on goods that are first made in China. Biden's action would allay companies' concerns about having to hold billions of dollars in their reserves so they can pay those tariffs. Somebody's got to pay the bill. But if Joe Biden had followed through, if his quote-unquote people that work with him and have the concepts and ideas of the various sectors, if they had looked into this, well, if we... If we uh, if we lift these tariffs, we're going to go back to, again, being reliant upon China and other countries in Southeast Asia for the things that we used to make here. Instead of having a plan, a transition, of transitioning that work back to the United States, it took years for Democrats to drive business here to such a expensive high level to produce everything. And it will take years to get it fixed. And if we don't get it fixed, we will continue for all time to rely on other countries for everything. If you remember correctly, the reason that they gave for opening up the borders, wanting immigration to let millions of people come in from other foreign countries, they told us they're better workers and they'll work cheaper. Instead of fixing the process to make it where it's good for Americans, every American, instead of doing that, it's how can we not upset the international apple cart and hack off those people we're obligated to. We were told yesterday Biden's going to invoke the Defense Protection Act 
to drive the U.S. manufacturing of solar panels and other clean technologies in the future with the support of loans and grants. There's going to be this safe harbor timeout on the collection of duties. And that's at the heart of what's going to save all of these solar projects and ensure that they're going forward. That, what you just heard, is the epitome of poor management. He pulled the trigger on solar energy when he became president. And he told all the fossil fuel entities, go to the house and sit on it. Just sit down and we're through with you. And look at what's happening around us. That alone is sufficient to destroy his credibility and the credibility of everyone that works for him in his administration. Because they all prescribe to that. That thought process, which is you can clap your hands. It's almost like click your heels together like Dorothy. And you'll show up and be somewhere and it's all going to be automatically instantly better. State governors, lawmakers, industry officials, environmentalists have expressed a lot of concern over this. And it might or it could have led to retroactive tariffs of up to 20%. The issue created a unique dilemma for the White House. They're eager to show U.S. leadership on climate change, in part by encouraging use of renewable energy, while respecting and keeping its distance from the investigation proceedings. In other words, the Biden administration wants to do all of their governing through executive orders, bypass Congress, but stay away from getting investigating for pandering to people out there that I'm obligated to. Using executive action, these executive orders, and invoking the Defense Act, which gives presidents some authority over domestic industries, allows Biden to take advantage of the tools that are available to him without stepping on the Commerce Department investigation. Another source said Biden's proclamation relying on authority from a 1930 trade law would apply only to the four countries and will run parallel with the investigation. So depending on its outcome, tariffs could be levied on panels imported after the 24-month period, but the threat of retroactive payments would be off the table. In other words, we're going to let them get off. If they were supposed to pay tariffs, Joe Biden's going to let them get off with it. If you bring this stuff in during the 24-month period, regardless of the outcome of the Department of Commerce's investigation, there will be no additional duties on these tariffs that were implemented by Congress. The investigation essentially halted the flow of solar panels that make up more than half of U.S. supplies, 80% of imports. Listen to that. We, under Joe Biden, his administration, all of the climate change advocates and asinine people that are up there saying, we had to flip the switch or we were all going to die because of fossil fuel. If we do just this one thing, And if you're a believer that solar energy is the way to go, you've got to have these solar panels. We're going to be relying on Southeast Asia for at least half of everyone. We're going to be relying on people over there that have governments that are liable to change members and leaders overnight. 
no stability or very little. There's a reason why Hong Kong, excuse me, um, why Singapore declared themselves independent from Malaysia. If you go to Malaysia, go to a big city, Kuala Lumpur, bigger than New York City. I've been there several times. I love Kuala Lumpur. It has a huge part of the city that is very, very much Americanized. I'm talking about top to bottom restaurants, uh, hotels, everything to do with involvement with people for business. Parts of KL, Kuala Lumpur are amazing. Singapore is south of Kuala Lumpur, about 200 miles. It's actually technically on an island. But Singapore saw this kind of thinking that we are doing right now here. They saw it just absorbing all of the business operations that were initiating in Malaysia and emanating around the world. It was all corrupt. They didn't like the fact that leadership and government were corrupt, always had their hands out, obligating people that live in Malaysia and want to make a living there. Happened for years and years and years, decades and decades, and they pulled away. Singapore is the wealthiest country on the planet now. If you're going to be successful, (laughs) you've got to be honest. You've got to be diligent. Every successful business begins with a plan. And if you're going to change a business or a sector of an economy, of business, it all begins, if it's going to be successful, it begins with a plan. And so now... (laughs) What they're doing on the left, Democrat Party, they're kind of scratching their heads. Oh my gosh, every day this stuff with Biden gets worse and worse and worse, and none of us even thought it could. I don't know who talked them, the Democrat Party, though I'm not talking about leadership. I'm talking about the Democrat Party. Who talked them in and how did they buy into this debacle that we're all living in right now? And there is no easy fix. Formally, we would say, oh, it took us a long time to get here. It's going to take us a long time to get out. No, 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 no. It took us less than a year to kill what we had for the previous four years. And now, how long is it going to take us to get back? If we can get back. I mean, think about it. I'm not even confident. I don't know. Here's what we got to do. You would expect somebody would be willing to uh, to say, here's what you have to do to get it fixed. If you get this fixed, everything's going to turn out to be okay. And it'll take about this long to get there. Nobody can say that. Well, people can say that. But they can't even give us any assurance that it is even possible to do it. Yet alone, the process to make it work. Look at what's happening in California yesterday. I'm looking right now at a sign from a service station in one California city. Regular gas, $7.25.9 a gallon, plus $7.45.9 a gallon. Supreme, $7.75 and nine-tenths of a cent. $7.75 for a gallon of gas. How many people in California 
can just say, oh, that's no big deal. The nationwide average price for gas jumped again yesterday, breaking another record of $4.86 a gallon. That reflects a nearly 25 cent jump in just the last week and nearly 59 cents in the last month, $1.81 so far this year. No state in the nation is seeing an average price below $4. Several states have an average of $5 or more. How in tarnation, that's what my mom used to say, how in tarnation can anybody believe that this is sustainable? This is what blows my mind. Do you know, I know factually, I know from talking people that are a lot of people that are in the the carbon fossil fuel industry, that in a period of 90 days, 90 days, this president could get the price of gasoline back below $3 a gallon. And it's not a complicated process to do. But instead, this is the, in, uh, the, the definition of insanity. There are people that have tried to get to him and convince him, Mr. President, here's what we need to do. He won't do it. He just simply won't do it. Why? Because he has this utopian plan in his head. And who put it there? I don't know. I have suspicions, but I have no idea of any surety who did it. But right now, it doesn't matter who did it. It doesn't matter who came up with this. All that matters is where we are analyzing the process and coming up with a way that the experts, whoever they are, this is regarding anything, tell us what to do to get out of this hole that we're in. Forget about the hole and who's responsible. We can deal with that later. Let's get back to where we were for the American people. Make the decisions, implement it, and get it done. Powerful, insightful, truthful. TNN, the Truth News Network. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. 
Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Relaxing, unclenching, finding the real truth. TNN. And again, your host, Dan Newman. Maybe I ought to get my blood pressure checked because you probably realize that while we've been talking our first hour, I have really gotten upset about this stuff going on. It just gets deeper and deeper. Now we have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman, or I'm supposed to say Congressperson. I assume she's a woman. Don't know that. Not going to just put that out there. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat from New York. Both gender and language, she says are fluid. They're fluid. She said that on Sunday when she was discussing gender inclusivity in Spanish language. Now, this is all about defending the use of the terms Latinx and Latin with an E on the end. In other words, Latin with an X and Latin with an E. So let me just quote her. Also in the spirit of pride, I wanted to have a note on gender inclusivity in Spanish language. She said this in a video posted as an Instagram story, taking issue with those who find gender-neutral terms such as Latinx as problematic. People sometimes like to make a lot of drama over the term Latinx, she said, asserting that people were trying to find other gender-neutral terms prior to Latinx. Gender is fluid. Language is fluid. And she said that it's definite. That's factual. According to her, so it is said, so let it be done. She continued, and I think people right now are using the E term as gender neutral in order to be as inclusive as possible. Don't have to make drama over it. She then embarked into a mini rant on this same subject. You got to hear this. I wish I had the sound bite. Quote, there are some politicians, including Democrat politicians, that rail against the term Latinx. And they're like, this is so bad. This is so bad for the party. Like, blah, 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 she began, accusing them of being fundamentally selfish for thinking that way. And like, it's almost as though it has no, it has not struck some of these folks that another person's identity is not about your re-election processes. Like, this is not about you, she said. Second, if putting a little X on your campaign literature is what you think is the difference between winning or losing, you need to talk about health care more. You need to raise people's wages. You need to talk about more issues that also matter to people, she said, explaining why she believes some people are opting to use the term Latin, Latin with an E, or Latinx. Latinx can be convenient in written form because you just put down an X and people can kind of mentally put in whatever vowel they identify with. So Latin with an E, I guess it's Latin. You avoid the masculine O. You avoid the feminine A. Are you getting this, folks? After everything we talked about in the first hour going on, this is stuff that's happening today, every single day. Here's one of 435 people in the House of Representatives. She votes on every bill that comes in there. 
I can't imagine any district in the nation that would pick somebody that would talk about what we're talking about in this story now. She is the person that votes on everything pertaining to you in Congress. Everything. And this is what's driving her boat? Some people may say, well, she just had a bad Sunday and this was on her heart, so she just spilled the beans. No, that's not true. This isn't the first time. What's important to you and me is where we spend our concentration and our energy, right? Why would she be any different? And incidentally, this is no big deal. I just thought I'd throw that in, but she was voted to go serve for two years her second two years in Congress representing that district on the northeast side of Manhattan. And she did it telling those people, I'm going to go work for you and everything that pertains to you. I'm going to represent you in the House of Representatives. Now, how many of the 435 people that she sits around in the chamber, how many others feel that talking about Latin, Latinx, Latini, whatever, is a big deal. It's so important that a member of Congress goes on a television show or does an Instagram and feels like they have to put that out there to educate people on what's important. If that is in the top 500 things of important on her list, that district's in deep doo-doo. They either need to run for cover or they need to find somebody else that will really represent them on the really important issues of the day rather than labels for people and hurting people because you decided to put an X on the end of their label that was given instead of an E. As Joe Biden says, come on now. (laughs) And speaking of Joe... What about his number two son, Hunter? Hunter's back in the news again today. A nude photo of Hunter recklessly handling a gun with a prostitute a long, long time ago, three years ago, has surfaced. This is happening as President Biden encourages Congress to implement gun control for law-abiding citizens. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, to be a law-abiding gun owner, What you have to do is fill out a background report at the place where you're going to buy this gun. They send it in to the ATF. They do a background, a quick one, but still they do a background investigation. And then they approve to give you a gun. Well, on that application, and I have filled one out several times, I'm also a concealed carry permit holder and have been for 20 years in the state of Louisiana. They asked me and they ask you, if you go buy a gun on this report, they ask you, do you now, or have you ever used drugs? And if you have used drugs and you tell the truth about it, you don't get to buy a gun. So the big deal about this story is not that Hunter was nude holding a gun with a prostitute. It's that to get that gun legally, he had to lie because he has rampant 
drug history. I mean, bad, nasty drug history that even he doesn't deny. He bought a 38 caliber gun in Delaware only five days before recording the sex tape on October 17, 2018. Those are public records, incidentally. Hunter's laissez-faire handling of a firearm comes right in the middle of Biden. He proposed last week seven gun control measures, like enacting a safe storage law, banning what he calls assault weapons, banning high-capacity magazines, raising the purchase age for AR-15s, and similar rifles to 21, strengthening background checks, creating red flag laws, and repealing the immunity of gun manufacturers from liability. So Biden, Daddy Biden's, his pro-gun control proposals, they're at odds with the standard applied to his own family. Hunter lied to get that 38 caliber weapon by failing to disclose he has a drug problem. He's never been charged with wrongdoing with regard to that. That lie he told on his drug, uh, his gun application. And the weapon, oh, by the way, that 38 caliber pistol, it's disappeared. In a 2019 text, Hunter said the FBI had gotten involved in the case of the missing firearm. Talking to Hallie Biden, his former sister-in-law turned lover, Hunter said she threw the gun into a grocery store dumpster in Wilmington, Delaware. Tell me how to keep take care of my house, what to do, what not to do. Tell me how to parent my kids. Tell me what's good, what's bad. That's okay. Show me makes me even believe it. If you keep your house clean and here's how you keep your house clean, then I'll keep mine if you tell me how to keep yours and show me how to keep mine based on how you keep yours. But unless that's the case, don't talk to me. I'm doing my best and I'm going to be okay finding my way. I'm going to. You want to hear you want to hear a funny story. I don't know if you want a funny story. I want you to listen to this coming up and this includes a little bit with Joy Behar. I know that'll make your day. But this kind of does a synopsis of all the things we're talking about today. Another damning report about what's going on behind the scenes in the West Wing. Politico reporting that things are so bad, quote, Biden wants to get out more and is seething that his standing is now worse than Trump's. He is seething. Joe Concha joins us now. And Joe, the uh, political piece goes on to say Biden also recently erupted over being kept out of the loop about the direness of the baby formula shortage. So take it all together. It, it really does sound like the president, could this be true, is getting bossed around and cut out of conversations by members of his own administration. I would think if you're the commander in chief, the leader of the free world, that you might want to be privy to information like mothers, people who voted for you or may not have voted for you have, are having severe trouble getting baby formula. So this shows that there are rogue actors within this administration who think they are in charge and maybe they are. And now the president's finally 
coming around to understanding that. But if he's concerned that he may be compared to the last one-term Democratic president and Jimmy Carter, Carly, Todd, well, we passed that exit uh, quite some time ago. The similarities are stunning. Crippling inflation under Carter, crippling inflation under Biden, skyrocketing gas prices under Carter, record high gas prices under Biden. America appearing to be weak to our adversaries under Carter. We see what happened in Afghanistan, what's happening in Ukraine, what China may be planning to do with Taiwan under Biden. But Carter didn't have a self-inflicted border crisis. Biden does. And in the end, Carter lost something like 44 states when running for re-election against Ronald Reagan. And if Mr. Biden does not change course and move to the center and fast, his party is facing a tsunami in November, like we talked about in the midterms, and he's facing his own tsunami, regardless of who the Republican nominee, guys. Plus, I thought at the inauguration, Biden said that he would fire people on the spot who erupted at other people in a lack of civility. Maybe that's one of the topics that'll come up today when President Biden appears on Jimmy Kimmel Live for his first sit-down interview in not one, not two, but 118 <laughs> days. Your reaction to this softest of softball interviews, Joe? <laughs> well, look, when you think about it, his last interview was when the Rams played the Bengals in the Super Bowl in the dead of winter. So just to put in perspective how long ago this was, Todd, but we need serious people to solve serious problems in this country. As we talked about with all the issues, inflation, gas prices, border and so on, uh, you have a president here who hasn't done a broadcast TV interview in nearly 17 weeks, and Jimmy Kimmel's going to do what he does best. He is going to kiss up to any Democrat that appears on his show and use the opportunity to remind his dwindling audience, mind you, how evil Republicans are. Joe Biden should be sitting down with a Brett Baer, or somebody who is a serious journalist to ask hard questions. And if he gives a misleading answer or, or lie, like he probably will tonight, that journalist needs to press him on it. Because when you're polling in the 20s, with independents, Hispanics, your handling of inflation, immigration, and crime, there are plenty of answers the American public needs right now, and they ain't getting it from Jimmy Kimmel, a distant third in the ratings, and for good reason, guys. Yeah, well, Joe, at least uh, if you're President Biden, you still have the friendly media, especially The View. Co-host Joe Behar gave yeah. President Biden a pass on basically everything. Baby formula shortage, soaring inflation, <laughs> and record high gas prices. Here's what she had to say about Republicans. They vote against the best interests of their constituencies and against babies in this case, because all they, because all they really care about is making Biden look bad. Joe, Republicans vote <laughs> against babies. Yeah. Oh, boy. The Republicans, you know, the ones that are in the majority party in the House and the Senate. Oh, that's right. They're not. Democrats have complete control of Washington. So to blame the party that's not in power, that, that's pretty rich. Look, I'll leave it here, guys. The, the view could be watchable if they actually put somebody or two from the right to balance out what has become an unwatchable show. If you're a stay-at-home mom right now and you're having trouble getting baby formula and you turn on the view and you see these folks giving the president and his party a pass, how could you possibly trust them that they're going to give you an honest perspective. This is definitely not the show that Barbara Walters envisioned 25 years ago. That's for certain, Carly and Todd. No, it's certainly not. I was just talking to um, Todd. Oh, Todd. Hi, nice to meet, nice you. To meet How you. How are you? It's been a pleasure. <laughs> um, I oh, used to watch that show with my sister every single morning when we yeah. were kids, and um, it was it just it, felt, it was more pop culture and fun, and that was just so gosh mm -hmm. darn divisive, isn't it, Todd? Yes, it is. Boy, it's divisive, and that's being kind if that's the worst that we can say about what we're living through and living in. Oh, well, we're going to be fine. Doggone it, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. Hey, on the other side of this break, 
We've got some news that has to do with your health, health issues, pandemic issues. Uh Uh-oh. And we're not looking back over our shoulder. We're looking at right now today. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Listen to a few minutes, just a couple of seconds. I was dreaming when I jumped the light. Busy scaling, busy high. I'm the somewhat strangely familiar tune. My eyes as wide as open books. I got my ears upon the hooks. A big smile was hanging there like a crescent moon. It sometimes comes as quite a shock when the gold of love, when the gold of love decides. Show when 
Listen to a happy song, and it brings you back to a reality that everything ain't bad. It isn't all bad, folks, and I don't want anybody that listens to the show or reads our stories to think that we feel like it's all bad, because it isn't. I believe in the American people. I believe in you. I believe if we set our minds on something and we get unified, and it has to do with the structure, within the structure of the way this nation was founded. It's worked. So why would we want to change it? Tweaking it is one thing, but just blowing up specific parts of it is just plain insane. We need to work together. We need to change little things. It's not the same in the United States today in 2022 as it was in 1790. It's just not. And it's stupid for us to believe and expect it to be that way. It just isn't so. And our forefathers crafted a really good plan that gave us the ability to change, to tweak those things that need to be changed because of changes in our life. Amending the Constitution. And it's always worked. That's always worked. Is everything perfect here? Absolutely not. Anybody that believes that it is, is living somewhere else other than me. But it's the best there is on the planet. That should be good enough for us to stick to what we have and then unify together and work within the guidelines that have worked effectively. This one kind of upset me when I heard about it yesterday. The CDC last week moved California, Sacramento County into a high-risk level. Oh, my gosh. This is the CDC. They're recommending that individuals wear a mask indoor in the Sacramento City Unified School District. As a result, the schools brought the mask mandate back, officials saying they are simply following the science. Notably, the district lifted the mandate in April, but told parents of the decision to bring back forced masking last week. Forced masking. The case rate is now about eight times higher than it was when the district lifted the masking mandate in mid-April, and hospitalizations have increased to 12 per 100,000 people. This decision was made with careful consideration of the current data trends and is intended to limit the spread of COVID-19 in schools and the community. COVID-19 mandates. I I thought we were through with that. One, uh, One person in the school district said, we are following the science. We're following the data. This is a public health issue and we're part of a community. 
Well, despite the ongoing debate on the efficacy of forced masking, Aguilar of the school district made a greater good argument justifying the school district's action. I know there are strong sentiments about this issue in both directions. That is what I'm seeing and hearing in my email box, Aguilar claimed. But again, I'm hopeful that this is a reminder to all of us that this is in the best interest of our community. Even the CDC folks, the experts, the CDC has admitted that cloth and surgical masks are the least effective, something that Dr. Fauci privately admitted at the very beginning of this coronavirus pandemic. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not effective in keeping out virus, viruses, COVID-19, which is small enough to pass through the material. Folks, in late March, in late March of 2020, TNN Live and Truth News Network, we released a list of 21 laboratory control tested mask investigations. And every one of them said cloth mask don't work. And here we are two years later. And they're coming out and saying, uh, guess what? Cloth mask don't work. Now, let me tell you what has been, I have, I've said this, I've spoken about it on the show once or twice, that it's in the offing, it's in the consideration and always has been about isolating people that have COVID-19, isolating, putting them uh, in some segregated type entity, maybe an internment camp to keeping them away from healthy people. Well, let me just give you a picture of what's going on now what has leaked out now about that in Great Britain. Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries, she claimed yesterday that Jeremy Hunt, Britain's longest-serving health secretary, wanted a China-style regime in which people testing positive for COVID would be taken from their homes, forced from their homes, and confined in what he called isolation hotels. The pair, Dorries and Hunt, were sparring ahead of the confidence vote among conservative members of parliament on Boris Johnson's leadership of their party, Hunt having publicly called for Johnson to be outed, and said this, having been trusted with power, conservative prime ministers know in our hearts that we are not giving the British people the leadership they deserve. That's according to Hunt, Health Secretary from 2012 to 2018, Foreign Secretary from 2018 to 2019, and now a backbencher believed to be a likely challenger for the leadership of his party in a series of his social media posts. Because we're no longer trusted by the electorate, we're set to lose the next general election, he won, concluding with a Barack Obama-style plea that today's decision is change or lose the next election and I will be voting for change. This prompted Dorries, who's a serving member of Johnson's cabinet, to give us some home truths about the Remainer, responding directly to his online call for action by accusing him of having pushed for an even more draconian lockdown regime than the one Johnson subjected the country to. 
on the afternoon of July 23rd, 2020, when I was health minister, you telephoned me to tell me that we had to handle the pandemic following the example set by the East slash China, that people testing positive should be removed from their homes, placed into isolation hotels for two weeks. You said your wife's family had experience of this during the SARS pandemic. I said that British people would never tolerate being removed from their homes and loved ones, at which point you demanded I show you the evidence of that. She went on declaring his leadership during the pandemic would have been a disaster. This is a very uh, developed, high-level country, one of our biggest partners in everything to do regarding world events, top to bottom, Great Britain. And this is the person that would have been in charge of doing what he said should have been done and looking ahead what he would push to get done if it ever happens again. And if you just missed this little half sentence, he's planning on running against Boren Johnson. So you got a guy, if he is at the top and there's any kind of pandemic coming forward, he's going to push for taking people out of their homes if they're found to be positive for disease. Now, if we found out many things through the pandemic, dozens and dozens of things that were presented to us as factual that we found out later weren't factual. In fact, most of them, specifically coming from Dr. Anthony Fauci, were outright lies. It had nothing to do. They had nothing to do with his mantra that he told us all the time. Follow the science, follow the science. He even got to the point where he said, I am the science. Dr. Fauci said that he was science. In other words, his opinion was all that mattered. He was wrong more than he was right about things. And so here's a guy in Great Britain Britain, wanting to uh, plan on in the future. We have another pandemic like COVID-19. The people that are infected segregate them from everybody. Put them on an island somewhere. Just get them out of the way, right? Here's something else we talked about months ago. We're talking about world population. The people that forecast population increases, decreases country by country around the world, they're giving us some really negative information. In the middle of all of these predictions that the human population is going to rise exponentially, and that's going to deplete our resources around the world and overheat the planet, two recent demographic studies predict the opposite, that the number of people will peak within the next several decades, then begin a phase of steady, irreversible decline. In some places, including Japan, Russia, South Korea, most countries in Europe, the population collapse has already started. China is not far behind. The United Nations has predicted that humanity will continue its rapid expansion into the next century, growing from just under 8 billion today to more than 11 billion by 2100. An oft-repeated interpretation of this data is that people are having too many babies. Many of the models for climate change and environmental degradation are based on projections like these. In August, the UN declared code red for humanity over climate change and overpopulation. An analyst 
at investment bank Morgan Stanley stated that the movement to not have children owing to fears over climate change is growing. But a demographic study funded by the Gates Foundation published in The Lancet, a medical journal, paints a much different picture. This study, conducted by researchers at the University of Washington, predicts that the global human population will peak at 9.7 billion within several decades and then start to decline. Wow. Have you heard anybody talking about that before this? I haven't. I surely haven't. But let me tell you something that uh, came out very early in the pandemic investigation, looking into things. I was told by two of the leading doctors in the world on this show. They've been on this show. And we've had a bunch of doctors on this show. And I'm not going to give you names because it wasn't live that these things were said. It was in private conversations regarding the upcoming show and them coming on that show. I've had several doctors say that intrinsic and mRNA that's included in all the COVID-19 shots from uh, Moderna and from Pfizer, not the Johnson & Johnson. There are elements in those vaccinations that in many cases, in many cases, will make the recipients of those vaccines unable to produce offspring, male and female. Just thought I'd throw that in there as a possibility. But demographers are saying our population on the globe is going to begin to go down. Another little tidbit popped up overnight from New Jersey. Besides the fact that New Jersey's having a plague of bears. New Jersey of all places. Who would have thought it? More and more bears are coming into city populations and going through garbage cans. I didn't even know they had bears up there. But besides that coming out of New Jersey... It appears that voter registration records have about 8,200 duplicate names, making it possible for one person to cast two votes in everything. Plus another 61 triplicate registrations, seven quadruplicates, three pentuplicates, and one sextuplicate, according to the Public Interest Legal Foundation. New Jersey's voter registration system, like nearly every other studied by this company, can be tricked into registering a person multiple times with extremely similar biographical data inputs at the same address. These serve as an administrative challenge to be resolved as we see more automation to vote by mail. Otherwise, John Public and John Q. Public could each vote once while the actual John is voting twice. Now, there's no voting irregularity, nothing creative that is being done to uh, violate our election systems nationwide. How many times have we heard that? Probably more times than we heard through our pandemic that if you don't wear a mask, if you don't social distance, if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to die. And before you die, you're going to infect everybody around you. Wow. Wow. Back to gun control. New York Governor Hoschel 
on June 6, signed 10 bills related to efforts to prevent shootings, including legislation that raises the minimum age to obtain semi-automatic rifles from 18 to 21. That three years is going to save the state. You know, those people that do those mass shootings, they all got their guns legal. Oh, we shouldn't let them do it. We should have stopped it when they bought those guns. Almost every one is illegal. Just saying. A fourth bill creates a new crime to threaten mass harm against a group of people. The governor referenced the recent mass shootings in Buffalo, Uvalde, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Tulsa before signing the bills. In New York, we're taking bold, strong action. We're tightening the red flag laws to keep guns away from dangerous people. We're raising the age of semi-automatic weapons so no 18-year-old can walk in on their birthday and walk out with an AR-15. Those days are over. Those days are over. You hear that? Those days are over, she said. She's running for a full term after she took over from Andrew Cuomo following his resignation last year. We're micro-stamping bullets so law enforcement can have an easier time catching the criminals. And we're closing loopholes so the firearms that are being so cleverly manufactured or altered cannot evade our laws anymore. There's more to do. Thoughts and prayers won't fix this, but taking strong action will. I've got a very subtle thought for you, Governor Oshel. Why don't you do this? Why don't you have everybody on your watch in your state enforce the rule of law? Owning a gun illegally for anyone, even if they're a registered gun owner, licensed, if it's illegal, ferret them out and prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. These people that are in New York with this new district attorney there that was funded and put in office by George Soros, he, he's already told everybody, and he's doing it, I'm not prosecuting people with minor offenses that are convicted. It doesn't matter what the law says, what the sentences are. I have the option to ignore them. He was just slapped down by the Supreme Court for that. Did you know that? He doesn't have authority. Only the legislative people who make the laws can make laws. Everybody has got to enforce the laws that they make, including district attorneys. Across the nation, this same mindset is feeding this criminality problem across the nation that we're watching people get killed, slaughtered in mass shootings and otherwise. I mean, Chicago, people are going, I would think people, evil people are going to Chicago to learn how to do all of this mass shooting and killing and get away with it. Because criminals are having a heyday in Chicago every weekend, shooting and killing numbers of people. So many that it's like an afterthought in a news report. Oh, there were 30 people shot, 10 people killed in Chicago this weekend. Weather, it's going to be hot today. I mean, that's what it's come to. They've normalized having shootings all the time in Chicago. And it's happening in other places too. Bill Clinton and the Clinton family. Back in the news today, you're going to love this. I, I This just slipped up on me. The family of one of the top advisors all time to Bill Clinton, 
He was in the Clinton White House, this guy was, and he admitted Jeffrey Epstein to the White House dozens of times during the Clinton presidency, pulling out all the stops to keep details of the mysterious death of this guy becoming public. They petitioned a judge to prevent pictures of this guy, Mark Middleton. He died. They're trying to stop pictures being released of the death scene under the Freedom of Information Act. And now the Arkansas sheriff is interpreting that to mean he can't talk to or release any details of this guy, Middleton, Mark Middleton, his suicide on May 7th. Investigation is still open. This is what the sheriff said. I can't say anything more. Middleton served as a special assistant to President Bill Clinton in the 1990s. He hung himself at the age of 59. They announced that last month. His his death, though, adds to the number, the big number, of close associates of the former president and his lady who have died unexpectedly, many in small plane crashes. The phenomenon has led to a conspiracy theory called the Clinton body count, which even has its own Wikipedia page. Middleton's family didn't disclose the cause of death at the time, but authorities later confirmed the former White House official took his own life with a self-inflicted gunshot at an urban farm in Perryville, Arkansas. In a lawsuit filed on May 23rd, the family admits that Middleton committed suicide, says they have a privacy interest in preventing any photographs, videos, sketches, or other illustrative content from the death scene being released. They claim it would lead to outlandish, hurtful, unsupported, and offensive articles being published online. As I told you at the top of the story, the initial story was that he hung himself. You know, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I think I could, just saying I'm pretty sure that I could tell the difference how somebody died, the difference between somebody who uh, shot themselves or somebody who hung themselves. <laughs> There's a very obvious difference there. I, I don't want to get through the day without letting you hear this back and forth at Yale University at a uh, one of those pe- meetings where they bring in outside speakers, politics, and they talk to the students and the students ask questions. Yale, Yale University. And on the hot seat there was Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Listen to the questions and listen to Ted Cruz answers. I wanted to take a moment to celebrate our newest addition to the Supreme Court of the U.S., who I know we've already talked about, Justice Jackson. Since you're here tonight, though, in the name of fostering intellectual diversity in academic spaces, it would appear to me that you already recognize the importance of new perspectives. And as a young woman, seeing Justice Jackson on the Supreme Court is invigorating, truly. And on Tuesday, it baffled me that you would ask such flagrantly racist questions um, to this exceedingly well-qualified candidate. Your colleagues in the GOP promised a respectful and dignified hearing for Justice Jackson, and to me, you did not uphold this. So today I wanted to create a space where you might be able to challenge your own thinking as prudent scholars often do. So I'm here to ask you, what are two nice comments you can give about recent nominee Justice Jackson's judicial experience besides from she has an easy smile? Yeah, you racist, what's the comment? (laughs) Well, let me start by thanking you for being here. 
and thank you for asking a substantive, uh, important question. Thank you for engaging in a conversation. I think we all would be better off if we engage in substantive conversations. There's a lot to praise uh, about Judge Jackson. Uh, she is very, very bright. She is very, very accomplished. Uh, she is very talented. Uh, she has an impressive and inspiring personal story. I, I will say, sitting listening to her opening remarks where she described her personal story, she described her parents' journey, I, you had to be dead not to be inspired by that journey. And, and, and listen, I will say more broadly, if you look at the history of our country, if you look at, at the history of our country on race, it is absolutely inspiring to see an African-American woman serving on the Supreme Court. I will also point out that when it comes to issues of race, I think both the press and the modern left uh, are hypocritical on this question. That they only define someone as black or they only define someone as Hispanic if they agree with them ideologically. So Clarence Thomas has been on the court for decades. Clarence Thomas is a black man. The left hates him. They despise Clarence Thomas. And I'll tell you, by the way, the treatment of Clarence Thomas on the left is markedly different than, say, Antonin Scalia. Antonin Scalia was brilliant. He and Justice Thomas were every bit as conservative. And yet the vitriol that was heaped on Clarence Thomas um, nasty, racist language from the left. Um, there was one magazine cover that, 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 that as an Uncle Tom sitting at, at Scalia's feet, I think was racist and disgusting. And, and listen, I will say this as an Hispanic man. As an Hispanic man, Jorge Ramos went on, on television in Spanish and described me as a traitor to my race for daring... <laughs> That says something about the view of the left, that they're telling you, you have one way to, to view things and one way only. And if you don't, we'll demonize and attack you. So look, and, and by the way, in terms of having the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court, there was an opportunity for this to happen 20 years ago. There's a judge named Janice Rogers Brown. Janice Rogers Brown was a Supreme Court justice on the California Supreme Court. George W. Bush nominated Janice Rogers Brown to the D.C. Circuit. At the beginning of, beginning of his presidency, he, he nominated Judge Brown to the D.C. Circuit. The Democrats filibustered Judge Brown. That filibuster was led by a guy named Joe Biden. It also included people like Chuck Schumer, it included Pat Leahy, included Dianne Feinstein. They filib the reason they filibustered Judge Janet Janice Rogers Brown is because she was a black woman, but she was also conservative. And they did not want her to go to the Supreme Court. And they succeeded in filibusting her. They delayed her nomination for a couple of years until it finally went through. She finally went to the D.C. Circuit. Now, Everyone who was harumphing in the media that if you oppose an African-American woman who's a qualified judge, you're a racist, precisely zero of them thought it was racist 
to, for Democrats, including Joe Biden, to filibuster Janice Rogers Brown. By the way, there was another nominee that Bush put forward, a guy named Miguel Estrada. Uh, Miguel is an incredibly qualified Supreme Court advocate. He was nominated the D.C. Circuit as well. The Democrats filibustered him. If you read the memos that were leaked from Ted Kennedy's lawyers, here's what Ted Kennedy's lawyers said about Miguel Estrada. They said, we must stop him, quote, because he is Hispanic. That's what Ted Kennedy's lawyers said in writing. Now, I'm going to suggest to you, if you oppose somebody because of their race, that is the definition of racist. And look, I'll point out in your question, you said that my questioning of Judge Jackson was you used the term racist. Listen, racism is a horrific evil in this country. It is also an insult that the left tosses around casually. I would welcome, if you look at the questions I asked Judge Jackson, every single question I asked her concerned her record either her record, record as a judge, sentencing defendants before her, or her record writing academic materials and law reviews, or her record giving speeches to law schools. All of that is the job of, of the Senate in, in the advice and consent process. And so respectfully, I could not disagree more deeply when you say it is racist to examine a judge based on their record. If the Democrats wanted to oppose Janice Rogers Brown because they oppose conservatives, you know, do you think the Democrats were all sexist when they voted party line against Amy Coney Barrett? I, I'm willing to bet you don't because she's not a liberal woman. So. You can't have it both ways, which is that when a Democratic nominee has a certain characteristic, anyone who opposes them is racist or sexist or what have you, but when a Republican nominee has those characteristics, it's open season and you can go after them full force and, and the left is righteous in doing so. It, 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 the standard should be the same, and I'm going to suggest what the standard should be, is we should examine people based on their actual record and whether and to what extent that record demonstrates they will defend the constitutional rights of all Americans. I think that's what people care about. You just heard, I guess, the most telling story about one of the most evil things that we're dealing with in America today. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Racist, racism, divisiveness, hatred, anger. You're not as good as me. You got your truth. I've got my truth. I'll take my truth. You just go down the road and deal with yours. That's the world we find ourselves in, folks. I know we went a little long today, but I thought it was very important for you to hear that get together at Yale University, one of the most liberal universities in the nation, and Senator Ted Cruz, who very quietly, very factually, drew the perspective, the biggest perspective being used for divisiveness in the United States and illustrated with what happened in the last month or two when the Senate confirmed Ms. Jackson 
to be the next Supreme Court justice. Hey, you guys have a great day. We got a big one coming up tomorrow. We didn't even get finished today. Remember this, as bad as it seems, it's probably not as bad. <laughs> but even if it's bad, just know this, together, we're going to be one as a nation. We're going to be one as a TNN Live family too. We'll figure it out and we'll figure it out together. Until tomorrow, folks, have a great day and thank you for joining with us at TNN.